This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. To open ourselves up um, to miss uh, even God's heart or people's hearts around us. And we're all human, we're all natural, you know, we're all, especially people that are married, you'll sometimes see that, that you, you come and then one day you just wake up, you know, you uh, this is this is just between the two of us, so just just don't tell anybody else. Um, I caught myself. I think it was last year, some other time, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit came so on me because what happened is um, I had a week of going, you know, just going to bed very late, so I'll, I'll sleep like till six twenty or six thirty, and then Louise, my wife, would bring me coffee every morning. And, and so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it was going like a lack of coffee, wake up with a coffee. And the Friday, she was busy doing other stuff, and then she didn't bring me coffee. So now I'm lying there in bed, and I think like, why is she not bringing me coffee today? She knows that it's like, you know, she, she, she knows it's a tough week for me, and, and, and she, she should bring coffee. She should have had it here like five minutes ago, you know, normally it's, why is she late, you know, and then she walked into the room and, and, um, and she said, no, the, the coffee is in the, like, in the boiler thing at, in, in the kitchen, I think, like, now I must stand up and I must go to the kitchen, and, and it is, you know, <laughs> and then, and then she, she went out, and then I realized, oh, my Khuna, I'm in trouble here, because I'm assuming she must bring me coffee, meanwhile, it is a massive blessing, <laughs> I'm taking things for granted because, hey, I'm so getting used to doing certain things. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about running the race today. And all of us at this time of the year, we are just sometimes naturally challenged, sometimes spiritually challenged. Um, And that's why when, when I sometimes want to get offended with people or sometimes when I want to get critical, then I always go back to that What's in their heart? What, what is in that person's motive? What, you know, what is the thing that sort of got me excited? You know, that's what you do with marriage counseling. If people come to you, this couple comes to you, they're 20 years married, married and they feel they fall apart and they're not getting connected with each other, then, then the first thing you ask them is, what brought you together? Tell, tell me about that first day. <laughs> Tell me about how you fell in love. And then, then this couple starts to share about it. And then suddenly you see how the, the, the hearts begin to change. Because, because they're so fixed in a situation now that they can't remember what, where they've come from. And, and it's in this context that um, I'm going to talk about my favorite scripture in the Bible next to the other 3,000. But this one specifically in Hebrews chapter 12. Now you have to sort of get the context of Hebrews. Hebrews is a, we don't actually know who the writer is. Some people say Paul, but the writing is much different than, than Paul's normal writings. Uh, but it's a lot about sacrificial systems and, and sort of the whole book is about a lot of arguments. And there's a lot of themes that run through the books, like the sacrificial argument of the Old Testament, the angels and Moses and how the law fits in with that. And that's sort of how the first couple of chapters goes. Um, and we're going to get back to the first part because the first book is probably the most important where he makes this profound statement. And then the whole book of faith, because we always think, if we think of Hebrews, how many of you think of faith? 
You know, Hebrews, faith. Hebrews, what chapter is that? 11. Okay, so, so that's what we think of. But, but Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 is sort of just at the back end of a whole argument um, that the writer is trying to explain to us certain things and a contention because the people, especially the Jews, they wanted to go back to the law. They wanted to go back and they had these philosophical arguments about you know, where does the angels fit in and where's Moses and how does the law fit in and where's like the, the new covenant that we have with Christ and all of those things. So here we find in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore. Now when the Bible says therefore, it means he just spoke something in the previous chapter, that's Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at that now, now. But he says, therefore we also. Therefore we also. That means that He's talking about a lot of people, and now he includes all of us into the conversation. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that he set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endure the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So, oh, that's a mouthful. It is, it's a mouthful. And you must um, just think of these first three verses. But, um, He says, okay, I've I've just made an argument, and now, guys, I I want you to run this race. And and because of what we've spoken about in the previous chapters, there's a race that you must run, but you must run this race in a very specific way. Because you're going to try, you're going to get distracted, there's a lot of stuff that happens, but, you know, there's there's, there's a certain way of, of focusing, and there's a certain way of not doing, I'm not talking about doing stuff, Okay. Um, because sometimes the moment when people hear the word race, we think like, oh, do more and perform more and go for, go for it, you know, and, and you should be a, a bunny hopper that just runs around all the time. But the race is the, the, the path of life. That's what he talks about. The way God is. He says there's a race, there's a way set out before you. It's like a path God has chosen for you and for us to walk and to run together. And uh, I love the, the scripture in Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says, you shall... Run and not grow weary. You shall walk and not faint. You shall mount up with wings as eagles. Those who wait upon the Lord. So, so whenever we know this race that we're doing, it starts with waiting on God. It starts with hearing from God. It starts not by doing a lot of stuff, but, but being with God and in our intimacy with God and with, in, in the Lord. So let's go, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 because... This is sort of where the, the, the book starts and the argument starts. But he makes this profound statement in the first four verses. He says, God, are you, all, are you all awake? Okay, thank you for enthusiasm. Especially there's a couple of people here. They're very enthusiastic. Those, the spirit of Duvet is still a bit there at the back, but we're going to get there now. No. Okay, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So, so he says, we, we're going we're gonna to talk about all these arguments, we're going to talk about a lot of things in this book, 
in these lots of chapters coming. But don't look for a new way of speaking. Because God has spoken in various times. There were lots of prophets. There were lots of ways God interacted with the old covenant and with the people in the old covenant. But he says, in the last days, God has spoken once finally. And that is three son. It is God's final revelation. I think, I think if we as the church, and, and I, I want us to really think about this because the charismatic church, I get a bit scared when people come with these words of God is going to do a new thing. God is doing a new thing. God is doing like, a, God is going to like, God is going to give and release something very special just to you. And, 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 and that's going to bring like a massive revival because he's going to, then, then I take it, but I'm very cautious because revival just means to revisit, revision, to see what Christ has done. So at the center of revival is a revelation of what Jesus has done on the cross. And this is what he says here. He says, God has spoken in, in many ways, and we're going to talk about the angels and the revelation of the angels and Moses and how the law fits in and all these sacrificial systems and all this stuff. But there's one way how God has spoken, and that should be your focus. So if you understand that, then you can connect to the Hebrews 12 that we just read, looking unto Jesus. <laughs> Because the moment when we focus off, you know, and I say like, hey, I want to specialize in just deliverance, or I want to specialize just in that, or I am just this, then I say, great, that's your giftings, but don't focus on your giftings. Don't focus on all the stuff. That's just the outflow of who you are and who you know, because your focus is on Christ. <laughs> amen? Can I get an amen? <laughs> and so when it go, it's going difficult or stuff, then then don't run after stuff, you know, because you, I, I don't know if I came from a very um, small place, Caledon, you know, we grew up between Caledon and Valiersdorp, Valiersdorp in English for the French, but um, it's amazing, you know, how these prophets come through and these people like, and then it's like this new wave now, and now we have to go back into the Jewish, like I call people like that, Israelites, I love Israel, I love Jerusalem, and we should pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, scripture says that, but but we don't need to do all the rituals of the Old Testament <laughs> because it says here, everything pointed to Christ in the Old Testament. And we can learn a lot from those things, but let's continue. He says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. I, I think we can just probably spend 10 hours just thinking about those words. The brightness of his glory and the express image of who he is as God, as the Father. That's like almost, you know, if, you, if in the old times you'd always see these amazing movies about the people that would write this letter and then they'll have the seal on the letter and then they'll have the king's seal and, and they'll have wax on it or they'll mix it with stuff and then, then there'll be an imprint of this king's image on this wax that would seal the letter and then obviously the messenger would take this letter to another country or to other people and deliver that and this is sort of the image that he gets he says Jesus is the express image of God the Father and, and now he begins to say and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself 
purge our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than that. Now you can see he starts to talk about the angels and how they fit in, because there was a massive argument about, you know, are the people higher than the angels or whether the angels fit into this scheme and how does Moses and the law, and I'm not going to go too much into that. But he says, let's read verse 2 again. He has in these last days spoken to us by his son. I want us to read this together. Let's read this together. Verse 2. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the world. The heir of everything is Jesus. And the amazing thing is if that doesn't get you and me excited and... and um, to a place where we say, okay, but I, w- I want to know Christ. I want to know the fullness of Christ. Because everything in the Old Testament points to the cross and everything in the New Testament after that explains to us what has happened on the cross. So, so we can't just take bits and say, oh, I don't like the Old Testament or I don't like Paul's epistles, so let me all throw that away. But, but here at, the, at one of the most difficult books, he says, let's not forget that. That's how he starts. The express image of his son. God has spoken to us through Jesus. And that is the revelation, that as we seek to be closer to him, to know him. Like Paul also wrote later, he said, you know, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to the image of his death. He says in Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. And so, so you and I are embarking on this journey, but as we're embarking, our main focus should always be, I want to know Christ. I want to know the express image of God the Father through Jesus, His Son. And I want to know the Father's heart, but to know the Father, I must go through Jesus. I must go through the revelation of Christ. That's why Jesus said, no one goes to the Father except then through me. <laughs> I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Are, are you getting excited or not? Okay, thank you, thank you. Turn to your neighbor and say, He is the express image of God the Father. So, so when, we, when we talk about running this race and following God, then, you know, for me, always the, the, the thing that I'm thinking of um, is, and, and I think it was built into the Jewish lifestyle and in their culture, was a culture of thanksgiving and praise. So, so that's why scripture says, even when we come to God, if you're going to have quiet time tomorrow morning, if you are going to spend time with the Lord during the day or during the week, you're going to take some time off, never come to the Lord with a list of stuff. Never come to the Lord just begging him and asking him for love. Always come with thanksgiving and praise. Because when we do that. That's why we worship at the beginning of a service and not just like start afresh and, you know, and then like, hey, let's do announcements and go into preaching. Because when we worship God, we say to him, well, God, you are the most important. We are here for you. We're not here for a sermon. We're not here to be consumers. We are here to connect with you, to worship you, to, to value. That's what worth means, to place worth or value on someone. You are worthy of praise. The highest praise belongs to him. And so, so when we come to him, and I want to encourage us, especially in this time in our nation, in your family, come with thanksgiving. 
When you come to church, I know for some parents with the little kids, you want to kill your children all the way, you know. <laughs> Just getting them to church is already a miracle. Any parents that can say, oh, hallelujah, you know. <laughs> we, we, normally the worst hour in the week is the hour when you bring your kids to church, you know, because then you feel the most unchristian and you want to like. But the amazing thing is, you know, it's when we, when we pray for the food, it's not just a ritual we're doing. We're actually practicing a culture of thanksgiving. And in the Jewish culture, it was there all the time. They would, um, they, there were certain festivals where the Jews had to go up. And, and later in Hebrews, he talks about the rest of God. And that's actually referring to walking in the spirit, not referring to sitting and just like, no, 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 no. is to be in the perfect will of God. That's, that's the place of rest. It's not to do less because we are all busy. It's to rest in God, to learn to be satisfied in God. That's the, that's the basis of, of rest. And so when these Jews would come up, like I think it was three times a year, they had to go with certain festivals. All the Jews had to go up, and especially the men at some festivals had to go up to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was on top there. And then I, I was always a bit confused because I thought like, there's a guy in the Bible that his name is Ascent, you know? The songs of ascent. And I thought, like, this is weird because, you know, I came from Afrikaans background. So, no, this ascent, you know? Was he smelling? Was he, like, fragrant? Was he, like, you know, what a nice name. Meanwhile, I realized that there are certain psalms in the Bible that would be there just for when they would travel up to Jerusalem and they had to sing it. It was called the songs of ascent. It was songs like this one. I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Let us enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Because the Lord knows that we are human and we forget. <laughs> we forget, hey, she's made four cups of coffee every morning for me, but now the fifth morning, we have got some trouble here. Why didn't he bring it on my way? And why didn't like, because we just assume stuff. We just lose focus sometimes of the things we should actually be grateful for and thankful for. And that's why in the Jewish culture, it was built in that people should have thanksgiving. That's why when God does something in your life, stop everything, testify. Share with the world what Christ has done in your life. Don't be silent. You're not allowed as a Christian to be silent, you know. So people do it on Facebook these days. They put the, this is my best food, and then things like, you know. And then you look at the babies. When people get their first baby, it's like, you know, and it's, I must say, you know, but when babies are born, they, they're not so cute as the Facebook pages say. Babies, when they're born, they're quite ugly, okay? <laughs> but cutest little look at the lips, and everybody comes like, yeah, that looks just like you. That baby's lips is just like, oh, he's got his father's nose. And oh, you know, and when that first sound comes like, yeah, you know, and it's an ugly sound, oh, he's going to be an opera singer one day. That is just amazing. <laughs> then, then we sort of like, you know, just look at parents. Our parents celebrate. And, um, but, but you know what? When we, when we sometimes come, and especially this time of the year or this time in our nation, look at how many people are critical. There's a spirit over our nation that wants to invoke fear. And it wants to cause division. And it's very spiritual. Please don't think that it's just something natural that is happening in our nation. There's a spiritual onslaught 
to cause division, especially between races. And the way we are going to break that thing is through praising God, through giving thanks, through coming together, agreeing on what Jesus has done. Because do you know how many miracles God has already done in this nation for us to be together? Sure. In 1994, there should have been already a bloodbath. But, but we forget those things. <laughs> we forget, you know, where God has brought this nation from. And now it's time for the children of God to arise. We have to say, okay, God, what have you got to say about our nation? What have you got to say about our town? What have you got to say about what's going on? And proclaim it from roof, rooftops. Shout it from the rooftops, Scripture says. Because it invokes a certain thanksgiving. It sort of, it brings a confidence. It brings a life in abundance. And there's going to be persecution because there's a spiritual warfare. But when you and I share that testimony and when you and I begin to be thankful, then, then it's like a fountain that we're opening up that is springing up so that others can come to drink from it. And we're not trying to be perfect. We're just saying, hey, this is what God is doing. And even if it is very small, don't think like, sure, that is too small to share. Stop the bus, Hawkeye, stop Elori, you know, stop everything and, and, and make thanksgiving. Give praise to God. You know, the Jews did this many times when they went through the Jordan. The first thing they did is they brought stones together, put a heap of stones there, called, and they called it memorial stones, a massive heap of stones, like huge so that for generations to come, if the children would walk by and say, Grandfather, what is that heap of stones here next to the Jordan? Then he'll sit them down and he'll talk about how God has delivered them out of the wilderness, out of Egypt, taking them into the promised land. So the Jews have got like beautiful cultures where they celebrate stuff. But we as Christians, we don't have a lot of stuff, but we have our testimony. We have that, and now I want to encourage you, even in this week, just share your testimony with people. Just sit your family down and say, hey, guys, let's talk about where God has brought us from. Because this is at the essence of, hey, what has Christ done in your life? Share it often. I think I've told this story here before. I've got a pastor in Malawi, a friend right in the north, in Chetipa, um, Pastor Pali Mankundja. And, um, and a couple of times we would drive up and there was this bad road. It's called the, the Karonga Road. You know, it's from Karonga right to Chitipa, which is on the border of Tanzania. And, um, and many times we would drive up either with clothes or stuff. Um, you know, now that I'm 28, I don't drive so many times, but I was, I was a bit younger. It was, you know, it was, we drove there much more. But um, I'll never forget it. We'll drive up and then it's like three days, just him and me in this Toyota Bucky that by faith he's going to make it there, you know, and uh, we drive one day, we drove sound up, or no, three or four days, and then Pastor Mkondia would always say, Pastor, he called me Pastor Sai As, don't tell anybody else, okay, <laughs> but um, I said, Pastor Sai As, please share your testimony with me, and then we'll begin to share the testimony, and, but he says, not the short version, the long version, we have days okay then i'll take three hours and i'll just share what god has done yeah and then we'll stop next to the road and then he'll cry and then i'll begin to cry and then we'll just celebrate and he'll get back into the bucket and we'll drive up again and i say pastor mcconya billy share your testimony with me and then he'll 
share. Three hours, five hours, seven hours, normally Africa time, you know? And he'll share every detail as if it was the first time, yeah? And then after seven hours, we'll stop again and then we'll cry next to the road and then we'll get some lunch or dinner or whatever and then we'll get into the bucket and then we'll drive again. And after about five minutes, possibly, he would say, Pastor Sayas, share your testimony with me again. But not the short version, the long version. <laughs> and then literally four or five times. And then every time after the testimony, and you know, if you're a bit evangelistic like, like I am, then, then you want to add some flavor, you know? You want to add some like, you know, just make it like more like spicy, you know? Indian spicy style. But, but you know, you have to stick to it because you heard it the first time. But so, we can't lie because we're Christians. So, but then after those three hours, then I'm so tired of sharing, then we'll stop next to the road again. And the impossibility will cry. And it says, oh, what a wonderful thing God has done in your life. As if he's heard it every time. And I think like, wow, I learned so much. Changed my life. To learn to just be thankful. To learn to just embrace what God has done. And now I'm sharing what I'm completely not have prepared to share. So let's go on. Okay, so fourth slide. Hebrews chapter 11. So now this argument goes on in the book of Hebrews and in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He says, because if you, if you are focusing on Christ and if you know what supremacy, what, what lordship he has and, and this, this amazing revelation of who Jesus is, that's why we're going to worship him as the lamb that was slain. We're going to worship him for many, many millions of years. <laughs> And the more we're going to worship him, the more he's going to reveal of himself to us. So never get tired of the revelation of Christ. <laughs> never get tired of what God wants you. It's always a progressive place, you know, of just growing and growing. Never stop growing. And I want to talk to especially Christians that are a bit older. You've been around the block. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I was also young. I was also a student. But you're going to get into the real world. And then you're going to realize it's not so easy anymore. Life is hard, and life is tough, and life is going to break you down. But enjoy it in that season where you're at right now. Sure. But then I look at Kumi here. Kumi is beautifully 80 years old. Kumi, can I, can I, can I put you on the spot just a little bit? Okay. <laughs> we love you so much, Kumi. <laughs> but you know, every morning Kumi comes to church, earlier to church, and then I have never heard Kumi complain. She comes here because, hey, she's ready to worship the Lord. And then she walks around here and prays, ready to meet with her God. And I think like, wow, Lord, every time I see Kumi, lay hands on me. Because <laughs> I want to I be like that. <laughs> so we've got beautiful examples, some Kori and some... Some amazing people. So don't be afraid of your gray hair la people, ladies and men. But the amazing thing is, it's all about your heart. It's all about that freshness in your heart. What is the fresh revelation of Christ every day? But we lose that. Sure. And that's why it says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is something much more. It's once you've tapped into the revelation of Christ. Faith isn't about doing. Faith is about knowing. And that's why in Hebrews 11 verse 6, which we say is actually the definition of faith, not the first verse, 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently do a lot of things for him. Uh uh. Our theme for this year is Ask, Seek, Knock. I hope you haven't stopped. But he says, Faith is believing that he is God. Believing that that revelation becomes real to you more and more as you, as you run this race, as you follow him. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is your greatest reward? Is him, himself. Not the things he's going to do. Because there's a lot of prosperity being preached. Oh, you know, he's going to reward you. You know, come bring your keys and he's going to exchange it for a muck, you know. And then people preach these things all about stuff around Christ, but not about him. And say, hey, he's your exceedingly great reward. Isn't that what God said? To Moses, to Abraham, I am your reward. My presence in your life, my life in abundance. That's, and that's why you, it takes a lot of faith because there's a lot of other stuff that's going to want to steal that joy, going to steal that focus. And so that's Hebrews 11. Then he talks about Noah and Abraham and all the great men of faith and then, and the women of faith. And then he comes to Hebrews chapter 12. He says, therefore, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all the masses of people before us that has followed God, and most of these guys that the Bible talks about faith, now this is the challenging part of faith, it says they saw the promise, they embraced the promise, made it their own, but they never saw it happen physically in their life. Sure. But, 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 but didn't God speak about the promised land? <laughs> what did they really see? What was their reward? I think a lot of stuff that we want to do is, I want to see it now. I want to see it happen yesterday. I want to see it like, but to have an inheritance and to, to lay down a foundation for generations to come. Whoa, maybe that's real faith. Because God begins to stir in us. God begins to work in us and through us. And so, so now he begins to challenge us, and this is, this is what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnare us. Where is the CrossFit? Is there CrossFit people here this morning? Ewald, are you still doing CrossFit? Yeah, okay, so we're going we're gonna to pick on you. Come here. Okay, CrossFit is a different religion in, in the church. We love them. But they, 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 they do stuff a bit different. But imagine I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to Ewald, Ewald, you're going to run around this block, okay? But I'm, I'm going to give you some stuff, okay? So, yeah. Oh, no, no. First, my, you, you have to take my laptop bag. Let's put some weights on, on Ewald, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you're not allowed to put it in there. No, no. That's crooking. Okay. But so, so this is what the writer says. He says, when we... When we um, What the world does is the world puts a lot of weights on us. And even religiously, we, we, we begin to, when we run this race and we want to focus on God, then, then a lot of stuff begins to happen. Okay, now you get onto his back, will you please? Okay, let's see if the CrossFit things, okay. So even people now come, are you ready, are you ready for this? Okay, okay. Now, Ewald, Ewald, run. 
So now we try to run this race like this, you know, and we... <laughs> no, no, go all around, all around. <laughs> all the guys are going to go, yeah, he's got muscles. If you're tired, you can stop a while. But, um, but so the Bible, let's, let's look at that. It says, as we run, we're going to need endurance. And endurance is, is, is not something that you psych yourself up every morning and just like, oh, yeah, stand in front of the mirror. Endurance, 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 you know? But it says, as we, as we know that there's so many people that have finished the race, we're not running this race alone. It's almost like they're cheering us on. We can hear, we can, we can learn from them. But he says, let us lay aside every weight. So he, he, he makes a distinction between two things. He says, there are every day in your race, in your following God, there's going to be fears, there's going to be stuff that the devil is going to try to put on you. Sometimes offense, sometimes he's going to, he's going to tempt you to be hard of heart. He's going, to, he's going to make you get offended with people around you. He's going to, he's going to bring a negativity. And, and as, a, as a pastor, I'm very, you know, I'm sometimes a bit just, I must be careful what I say now, but... I get a lot of people that bring words for the church. Oh, it's the end of the church because there's so much wrong with the church. The lights aren't lacquer. Oh, they've got a drum set in church. Oh, you know, that's the mark of the beast hanging from the roof, you know. And then people begin to focus on so many stuff as if God is not great. As if God is not going to build his church. Now, I, I'm all for spiritual warfare. I'm all for deliverance. Don't get me wrong. But when you're a builder, when you come from a lifestyle of thanksgiving, then you come with the word of to say what God is doing. Not what the devil is doing all the time. And, and sometimes when we look at our own lives, that's what we see because we forget. We forget what is happening, that there's a, there's a cloud of witnesses. Now, he says that about the weights, but now he also now he uses this example of, he says, but in our personal lives, there are sometimes sins that ensnare us. Come here, Steve. I have to pick on Steve all the time. I have to test his um, manhood in front of his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, you knew, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the mic. Okay. Come help me. Yes, see where's. But this is what it says. When, when he, when he um, hold that one there. This is, this is the picture he wants. Okay, now you must get out of the way. Just hold that. Okay. No, no, no. Leave your legs there. Okay. But this, he says, the sins in our life, this is what sin does. Sin ensnares us. It sort of says, now you want to run the race, but you actually, ooh. Yeah, yeah. It's getting a free wax. Okay, let's just, let's just do it like this. Okay, Steve, you must stay in this for, th for two days.
I think we must post pictures of this. Steve is a lecturer at the university and they're gonna really think that he's gone crazy in that church that he belongs to. Okay, run, Steve, run, like run, forest, run. Okay, <laughs> uh, all, all the way around, okay. But so, <clears throat> that's the picture that he, that he says like, you're looking good, Steve. Are you still crossfitting? No, no, okay. You've re repented a while ago, but no, I'm only joking, so. <laughs> so he says what, what you need to do as you run this race, you need to cast off. You need to throw off those weights. <laughs> and you need to cut the ropes of the sin that ensnare you. Because it entangles you. As you, as you want to run, because now lots of people want to run. They want to focus God, but he says, hey, there's certain weights of the world. There's certain weights, scares of your circumstances, stuff that weighs down on you. But the sins, they trap you. And eventually they get locked into stuff so that you can't run anymore. And so he says, as you run, this, this is the focus. Look unto Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. Whoa, if somebody is the author of a book, he's written the whole book and the finisher. He finished the story of your life. And then it's so exciting. <laughs> Then it's so amazing when you begin to realize like, wow, I need to cast off the weights. I need to repent of those sins because hey, I'm running, looking unto Jesus. Because there's something, something happened in his heart. The Bible says there that, go back to the scripture quickly. He says, for the joy that was set before him. The joy of the cross, the joy of giving salvation to you and I, the joy that you and I can be free. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame. And he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. Shame is about identity. The position of Christ on the right hand side is about authority. So it says, because there was a joy, there was something that nobody could steal from him. A joy that was much more than the happenings or the stuff that he was going through. There was a joy that was set before him. And that's why we talk about the joy of our salvation. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Okay, in Nehemiah, it talks about that. But there's a joy that should stir us as Christians and should motivate us as Christians that's way beyond what we see around us. He says the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame. Shame, when you're shameful, it means in your identity, somebody's putting a wrong identity on you and now I'm ashamed. I'm, I've got a culture of shame. There are some, some groups in the world that is like whole nations that have got a shame thing on them. Because what's happening in the world is a lot of people and a lot of worldviews and stuff, people are going to try to put another identity on you. And they're trying to do that with Christians. Where people begin to say, hey, you can't believe the word anymore. You can't be so bold and confident about the truth anymore. Don't stand up for that. You know, all the stuff about what's happening. Let's just compromise here. Let's compromise there. 
um, trying to put an, a, a false identity. So shame is a very, very deep thing. Guilt is what I've done wrong. But shame has got in essence something to do with who you are, not what you've done. And that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So right here at the middle, because Jesus had to go through these things himself, because we all know that he was illegitimate, called illegitimate by the world, by the people around him. Oh, you, you're born of what? Of the Holy Spirit? No, 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 no. Your mom and dad wasn't together, so that means you're illegitimate in Jewish law. That means you don't qualify. You can't be the Messiah. you like, you like the wrong person. You come from the wrong place. And you're the wrong person. You definitely cannot be the Son of God. So prove it to us if you are by miracles, or otherwise we'll crucify you. But he despised the shame. Not just for himself, but for us. And that's the invitation. When we, you and I come to God, when we run this race, we know that there's a joy and there's a despising of shame. And there's an authority. Because he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. Our true identity, our true authority is revealed only in Christ. And this is what this right is saying. As you're running, throw off those weights. Get, get, rid, of, get rid of the sins. So that you can run, but eyes only for him, looking unto Jesus. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.